0: Well, a very good afternoon to you, if I'm the first to greet you into this Thursday afternoon, the second day of November, and indeed we're broadcasting live from the Detroit Economic Club lunch at the Western Book Cadillac. We have a very special arrangement with the Detroit Economic Club, which we have had for years, which now includes doing these very special broadcasts when they have special guests in Bill Emerson, President uh, C. Is it COO or CEO?
1: Uh, no, it's COO. It was interim CEO for a period of time. I remember I, I it well. Am now we, we hired a new CEO, fantastic human being, and I am now the president and chief
0: operating officer Good for of, the, you.
1: of the public company.
0: And they're lucky to have you, Bill Emerson. That's and
1: debatable, but thank it, you. I no, no, it's that.
0: very true. And I'm going to get into that in just a moment, but I do want to say thanks to Chris Alberta from Principium for filling in the last couple of days while I'm... Working on a couple of health issues, it's nothing big. It's not my heart. It's not anything like that. None of my major organs. I've gone through every kind of test you can go through, I think. I still have this pain when I breathe, so I just stop breathing. Well, that's probably not a good idea. If you don't breathe, it doesn't hurt. Well, it's
1: uh, fair enough. If you don't breathe, nothing hurts.
0: (laughs) It should be in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Everything stops hurting. Anyway, we've had this relationship, and it's a great one, with the Detroit Economic Club. We get their greatest speakers, like we are today. And we've started back today, the first day, what our old newsman, beloved newsman, Tom Campbell, who I I just met his son not too long ago, fine, fine young man. Tom Campbell used to sit here and give the news headlines. I mean, that's like the good old days. Well, guess what? It's back. One of our morning co-hosts, Lloyd Jackson, God bless Lloyd, is actually doing the news headlines today really? here at the lunch. That's awesome. the way. I, that's the way I remember it from years ago. Right. When I sit there in the in the meeting and proudly see Tom Campbell reading the news. I mean
1: headline news. Uh, you know the, the, that might have been a they might have been a little bit more factual then than they are today. But yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah you know. Well,
0: yeah. Listen. <laughs> wait a second. You. Uh, our news guys, when they do news, are very news oriented. Okay. <laughs> Now let's get to Bill Emerson, who I know well and love. Uh, we used to host a show together. Not not everybody you hosted a show with at one time or another do you say, I loved him, but I loved Bill Emerson uh, because we did Opportunity Detroit together. Yes, sir. And you slipped into that position, much like uh, Chris Alberta has slipped into filling in for a variety of us here at the radio station. You slipped in, didn't miss a beat. It was natural ability and talent because you know what? You are what you are, and you've always been yourself.
1: Yeah, it's usually the best person to be, right? I mean, trying to be somebody else doesn't really work very well. Well,
0: it's hard and, to get uh, that point across sometimes to people, especially in my business, in radio. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: you know, it's um, it's always served me well. Uh, you know, I, I would go go all the way back to the, the old-fashioned black-and-white Popeye commercials. I am what I am, and that's all that I am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to tell you, you are an incredible survivor, among other things. You happen to work for one of the greatest companies in the world. Um Rocket Mortgage or whatever the overall rocket company's uh, title or name is. Thank you. It is a company, however, that is great because it expects much of the people that work there. I remember people that I've known that get there at 7 in the morning. I don't know Mm -hmm. if this is still the case. They get there at 7 in the morning and they're leaving at 8 at night and somebody would say, what, are you working a half day today? There's Uh, a lot
1: expected. There's a
0: lot expected. And... There's a lot of burnout, and not mm-hmm. many people can say they've worked there for years and years and years. Yes. You're on your thirty, you're going into your thirty-first year. Yeah, Thirty-one in February—that's a fact. So, Dan Gilbert knows good people when he sees good people, and he appreciates loyalty. And you're all of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Dan has done a great job over the years of, of recruiting talent and really making sure that talent wants to be there and, and stays. Um, because he, at the end of the day, as smart as, as he is, as great of an entrepreneur he is, as he is, he really cares about people, uh, and I think nothing represents itself more than that than the stuff that he and Jennifer have done for, for the city of Detroit uh, in the past two, three, four years and, and, and almost a billion dollars of philanthropic money committed to this city. That's wow. just a massive, massive number. Massive. Not number. Not investment, not real estate philanthropic. This is philanthropic.
0: Dollars. No strings that's attached. No, Here we go. Absolutely. And, and Henry Ford Health System, Bob Riney, the recipient of a half billion dollars just recently.
1: Yeah, that's the, that's the one half, and, and a couple years prior to that was a half a billion dollars to just the residents of, of Detroit over a 10-year period to help uh, solve some systemic issues that have that have existed in Detroit for a long time. Well,
0: uh, you were the first guys, and Laura helped us understand this when she was on the show. Uh, There were a lot of people losing their houses for really ridiculous reasons. Yeah. And and Dan and Jennifer Gilbert saw that and said, well, this isn't going to happen. So they they ponied up and helped people keep their houses.
1: Yeah, it's as simple as tax foreclosure, really. And the reality of life is uh, no one knew that there was an exemption. And and depending upon your economic status, uh, you may not have to pay those taxes. And people were being moved out of the house. So. Yeah, we took it upon ourselves to educate, and we literally went and knocked on 60,000 doors, and you've heard Laura talk about this for a long, long time, so that folks could understand their opportunities. And then that cascaded into Dan and Jennifer as part of their commitment. Um, anyone who raised their hand and signed up for it, they paid off their back taxes. So you could get yourself cur- you know, go- good going forward, but the back taxes were still an issue. They needed to be taken care of and solved. And so Dan and Jennifer have been helping people with that.
0: Well, and you've been helping people besides being president and chief operating officer of Rocket Companies. Um, You were involved in something. I I guess I probably knew this but forgot uh, because we introduced them to the world on my show, those Zenith helmet makers, Mm -hmm. which I just love the idea that they were trying to make safer helmets for kids playing football. I didn't know you were on the board of directors.
1: Yeah, uh, I've been on that board for a long time. Dan invested on that in that company. Early I didn't even on.
0: know Dan was invested in
1: it. Yep, Dan invested in that company early on. It had a, a, a great new technology uh, around safety for for um, head headgear.
0: Is that moved into the pros or yeah. college? Oh yeah, oh, it's, yeah it's, it is. It,
1: it's at every level. Oh good. Um, you know, and, but everybody's improved as well, right? I mean, everybody it, head head safety in football has become a very very large topic to the extent that that the rules of the game have changed as well, right? And and I think that's. For the, for the better, for the most part. I mean, every once in a while someone will complain because, you know, there's a hit that takes place and, and there's a flag that's called on it. Um, but, you know, and, and they say oh, it's not the same game. Sometimes it's the same game. It's the some, same game.
0: Sometimes there's confusion. I mean, even among the refs, sometimes of course there's been confusion, and so Wait, that's the, a ref
1: what? gets a call wrong once in a while. No
0: way. Only only when it's Michigan pine, <laughs> but I don't know about the rest of those games. <laughs> you know, the Michigan Wolverines or the Detroit Lions. That's the only time I see them make mistakes. But beyond that, you're not biased at all. In that no, no, not at all. You're on so many other boards. Uh, Detroit Children's Fund is that uh, Casey? Yeah. Casey Crane. Yep. Uh, the Skillman Foundation. Uh, you went to Penn State. I did. How did we get you here to be a Michigander? That's a long story. Well, give me the uh, shortened reader. Remember Reader's Digest? Yeah, Does yeah, anybody yeah. remember now, Reader's Digest? You brought
1: it up. Penn State won a national championship playing football there. Uh, moved to cool. uh, moved to Chicago, phenomenal city. Uh, had back a blast then. living in Chicago back then. I agree. Uh, and then I met a girl who uh, who was from Ann Arbor, and uh, it was time to get out of the bar restaurant business. So I moved with her here. That didn't work out. But I answered and in a newspaper for a company called Rock Financial and the rest of its history. Oh,
0: my God. Yeah. That's how that's how I got oh, it.
1: That's incredible.
0: <laughs> and it's almost 31 years. Yes, yeah,
1: Absolutely. Came here in nineteen ninety-nine. And you uh, look fabulous. You're
0: obviously taking care of yourself.
1: Well, I, I had been taking care of myself, I will be honest with you, the last eight months, not so much. Too Just busy. I've been a little bit busy, but uh, hopefully, you know, in the next uh, six months or so, I'll be able to get back at uh, some semblance of... Trying to take care of myself.
0: Well, we love your leadership uh, in, in the key businesses, of course, of Rocket. But we love your leadership, your senior leadership on all these various boards and all the giving back that you have done in your life as a as a not lifetime Michigander, but a, a good part of your lifetime Michigander. Yes, sir. What's your topic today? What are you going to do?
1: Uh, we're talking about return to work. Return to office, actually. Oh, return work to is office. Always, yeah, yeah work, work has always been there, right? Return to office. It's interesting. We call it the challenge to return to office, therefore creating a challenge that doesn't have to exist, because why does it have to be a challenge to return to the office?
0: It shouldn't be. And I'll tell you this, from being in your offices at Rocket many times... Those are beautiful offices to come back to. There's a basketball hoop. There's a, a babysitting service. There's, there's a cafeteria. Well, you know, this is not not very very similar to radio you know, at we, all.
1: We thought of you when we thought of the baby, babysitting thank service. You. We thought you oh, might need it. Thank you.
0: For, oh, boy. Well, you that, know I love you, man. On you know that not happy note, <laughs> we're going to end because they need you in there to speak. Bill Emerson, president and COO of Rocket Companies with a wonderful... Uh, History with us at WJR, not to mention just uh, as a co-host of Opportunity Detroit with yours truly. I loved every minute of that, and I love you. God bless you.
1: You're you're the best. Thanks for doing what you do.
0: Well, thanks for doing what you do. As we continue here in focus at the Detroit Economic Club Lunch at the Western Book Cadillac, exclusively on WJR. Well, if if we're going to talk about uh, uh, actually uh, the president and CEO of Steelcase, Sarah Ambruster, um, she, I'm sure, knows very well our next guest, uh, Lori Powell, because Lori is uh, one of the, well, no, is the largest steel case uh, dealer in Michigan and northwest Ohio. Before you go rushing out to find her stores, though, they kind of do the corporate business, supplying stores and others, uh, and health care, things like that. But five locations around Michigan, welcome To Focus, Lori, nice to have you here, and nice to have you here at the Detroit Economic Club.
2: Well, thanks. I'm happy to be here, Paul.
0: Tell me how this works. Tell me how uh, you're a principal there, chief client officer and principal of NBS Commercial Interiors. Run us through the way that, that business works.
2: Yeah, well, I would tell you at NBS, we really focus on creating inspiring space experiences. So it's just not about one part of the space, but it's about the overall experience that people will... Um, experience while being with us so uh, we focus on not only one piece but the true integration and we're an interior integrator
0: and so we go to a store we see something that we like for our office home office there's a lot of home offices now uh, and we say I would like that and so either they have it in the store Or they get in touch with you and order it. It's delivered to the store. People come in and buy it.
2: A little bit different. So if you are looking for a piece for your home, we do have an option to send you to the Steelcase store where Steelcase will provide that furniture directly to you. If you're looking something for something more on the corporate side, you would visit NBS. We would come in. We would learn what you're looking for. We'd learn a little bit more about your culture and what you're trying to achieve. And then we would put a true design together and present that back to you as part of a corporate healthcare education type experience.
0: So you're, you're kind of young, so I, I can't remember what years. <laughs> Thank you. Well, no, but I, I, I don't remember what years Jim Hackett was there. Were you around when Jim Hackett was there?
2: So I was around when Jim Hackett was there. I was around prior when Jim Hackett led Steelcase as well. Really? Yes.
0: Okay. All right. So, you know, then he went to, he went to uh, Michigan, was he went athletic to Michigan. director for a while, and then he went to Ford.
2: And then he went to Ford.
0: Which he ran for a while, and I hope he's having a great life wherever he is right now. I've kind of lost touch with him. So the business has changed a lot since you've been there because you've been there a while for a very young person. So tell me what's the newest thing people are looking for in an office setting and the way Steelcase can help them.
2: Yeah, I would say the the biggest thing people are looking for is they don't want to come back to what they left. They want to come back to better. They want to come back to people. People are the new amenity. And I think that's really important when you think about space and trying to attract people back. I think flexibility is key, and you need to keep that in mind. But I don't know that we'll ever be back in the office five days a week. So really keeping that flexibility in mind. You know,
0: that, that was my next question. Is it always going to be kind of a hybrid situation where, depending on who you work for, they give you one day, two days, three days that you can stay at home?
2: I think Paul like that is that is the key right there it depends on who you work for and it's leadership led everyone is different and you really need to focus on the moments that matter right For us, we talk to our clients about moments that matter and why people need to be together because there are certain things you can do very well from your home office, but there are certain things that you really need to be together for to really continue that culture and that feeling you get um, of camaraderie and really being able to transfer knowledge to future team members.
0: Lori Powell with us, uh, Chief Client Officer, Principal, NBS Commercial Interiors, and we're talking in a very big way, steel case, obviously. And And her company can help you, uh, your company, from uh, concept to completion, planning, design, executing every aspect of the interior space to deliver that, that more inspiring, that more engaging place that supports business and understanding that the people within that business are very important to be happy to be back in the office whatever amount of time they have. Because we got spoiled. We, you know, for two years we broadcast from our homes, for example. That made it real easy. Exactly. you could do it in your jammies. Uh, But but now people are getting back into the office, and they do. It's interesting. I hadn't heard it put that way, frankly, Lori, that people want to come back to something different. They want to come back to something better, and you're helping companies do that.
2: Right. People have been home for a very long time, and they've gotten really comfortable being at home. But... They are yearning to be back together with people, but you need the right type of space. So when they come back, they need spaces where they can have private conversations and do heads-down work. They need places where they can collaborate. Uh, So it's really looking at your interior environment differently than you have in the past. I
0: remember, Lori, when cubicles came around, and that was a very big deal. Is that still a big deal?
2: So cubicles are still out there. We like to call them workstations. Of course we do. Um, and I would say, of course, people want their own workstation. But a lot of talk that's going on right now is around real estate strategy and shrinking that. And depending on how many days you're in the office, do you own your workstation or is it a shared workstation? And by sharing that, it gives you choice and control and options over creating different types of spaces within that environment so you can get the best out of your people when they're in the office.
0: All right. I don't mean to be uh, uh, the bad guy here but how do you handle the, the part of having an office in the old days was being able to leave your stuff and if I'm sharing this office with one other person or two other people or however that works I can't really leave my stuff
2: so that's again you have to think through those processes. We would help clients with that. And a lot of times you'll have a shared space where your stuff resides. You go to that space, grab what you need for the day and you take it to where you're going to so get you your like most a, produ- like a, like productive. Uh, you
0: probably don't call them lockers anymore, but like a locker.
2: Exactly. What do a they locker, call them? a cubby, actually lockers is oh, they do. is the term.
0: They still use lockers. Locker. Yes. Well that's yes. good. All right, well, so then you can have your stuff nearby. You just have to pull it out and put it back when you're done with the office. And that's working, obviously.
2: Well, and again, it depends, right? Every company is different in how they're approaching that, but some companies are going down that path.
0: Yeah, well, uh, you don't have to tell me. I know commercial real estate is a whole different uh, conversation these days uh, because people were doing work from home and all of that. Anything else we need to know about NBS commercial interiors?
2: I would say uh, NBS is a great place uh, to work. We are very focused on clients, both internal and external. And when you focus on your internal clients, hopefully you're creating great experiencing, experiences for your external clients. Good
0: for you. Well Thank put. You. And what a pleasure it is meeting you. Lori Powell, Chief Client Officer, Principal, NBS Commercial Interiors. Thanks for walking us through the largest steel case dealer in Michigan and Northwest Ohio. Congratulations on that. Thanks, Paul. We continue in focus on WJR. It's so nice to uh, to be here, matter of fact, uh, seeing old friends for the first time in a long time, and uh, it's been great. And I am so proud of WJR having the spot back again with our morning shows, Lloyd Jackson doing the news headlines today, just like the old days on WJR. But these are the new days, and it's better than ever. We're here at the Weston Book Cadillac Detroit Economic Lunch as the exclusive voice of the Detroit Economic Club. We are checking in with Marie Osborne on a pretty important and big story. That's what she covers for us. Stellanis has taken the number one spot for electric vehicle sales in Europe. And the company chief says they're just getting started. How about that? That a bit of a surprise? WJR Senior News Analyst Marie Osborne says Stellanis, headquartered in Auburn Hills, knocked EV heavyweight Tesla out of the number one spot. Marie, regale us with more. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, Stellantis chief financial officer Natalie Knight says slipping into that number one spot was an important psychological hurdle for the company. Stellantis is Amsterdam-based and has about 16 percent of the market with 28 uh, percent with 28 battery electric vehicles on the market globally. Knight says they're eyeing 20% of market share. They really think they can get there. Stellantis also says it wants to accelerate its plans to sell more electric vehicles across the globe. Year-to-date, Stellantis has sold about 262,000 electric vehicles. Sales in Europe are up more than 30% from last year. The sales are largely driven by the electric Jeep Avenger, which was named the European Car of the Year this year. Uh, It runs about $42,000, and commercial vehicles under the Citroen Berlingo brands. Now, one of the reasons Stellantis may have an advantage on EVs is that it's been building those for a very long time in Europe. And they know what works, Paul, and what doesn't work as well. And they say they plan to use that knowledge going forward here in the U.S.
0: I never, never would have guessed this. Um, Honestly, I I just never would have guessed it. Now, I I was uh, talking to the guys here, so I didn't hear everything you said. Uh, do they uh Stelanus or Tavares took over Opel from gm correct
3: uh yes as far as i know right
0: yeah so in and opal was a, a dead dog for gm and in two years he made it a, a, a race hound i mean he made it very successful i wonder if they're spending time and money in electrifying the opals in these other countries
3: I, do, I don't have that information right now, so I don't know that.
0: I don't either. I just figured because they're generally smaller uh, cars, that maybe those would uh, be well-suited to become electrified easily or more easily. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud about that. I, I, I honestly don't know. But I'll tell you, you got to keep an eye on Stellantis for a lot of reasons. They're just a uh, pretty sharp company, obviously. And uh, Tavares, a very sharp uh, operator. So it'll be interesting to watch them through all the stuff that we've just gone through here in Detroit with the UAW. And uh, we'll see where all that uh, heads, frankly. Anything else in your report on that uh, story about uh, Stellantis now taking over? Number one spot for electric vehicle sales in Europe?
3: No. Uh, other than this was a surprise to a lot of people, although Stellantis has been coming up from behind here to take this spot and you know they're going to be bringing uh the jeep wagoneer suv the uh the ram the dodge charger daytona the fiat 500 will also be available in 2024 so a lot of these a, a lot of these are being uh introduced in the electric lineup so watch for them
0: yeah definitely keep an eye on that hey i was i was gone uh, and and i thank uh, uh, chris alberta for taking over a couple of days um we didn't get to talk about uh, Halloween, did you? Have many uh, trick or treaters?
3: We we generally do not have a lot of Halloween uh, trick or treaters, just because of we kind of are at a edge of a cul-de-sac here. Uh, but uh-huh. um, we do, you know, they we do pressure the kids to come because we just give candy out by the handfuls. So they're you like, pre- we've got to pressure go. pressure the kids. Yeah, yeah we, we <laughs> pressure them because, boy, they got to come here because they know they're going to get handfuls of candy. So and like, we love I've, seeing them. They're so cute.
0: Sure, they're beautiful to watch, these little kids. I, I hate that the news focuses in on the bad stuff. I, I don't know what channel I was watching. Uh, but they showed one ring doorbell camera after another one showing kids. And some adults, some of the moms and dads, 're we're, we're dipping into the candy bowl that was left out on the porch and and taking all the candy. I mean all of it. I hate that and, and, and that's not the norm. Uh, I'm sure it happens, obviously, they, we saw it happen on on camera, but so I am always very hopeful uh, where we live. And I always go out and buy the candy. And this year, I am happy to say, Two pieces of candy were taken from the huge amount of candy that I bought at CVS. I'm sad to say those two pieces of candy went to me.
3: I I was just (laughs) going to say, I wonder who took those two pieces of candy. Now, on the other hand, Kim
0: at the Florida house saw close to 200 people. Wow. Wow. I had this little meager bowl. You know what? I'll put it on I'll put it on the Paul W. Smenster. I'll put it on my Instagram later if I can figure out how to do it without screwing everything up. There was my little bowl, hopeful. And there was her massive spread, confident. And and she had close to 200 kids come by.
3: Well, I think, you know, the weather had something to do with it, Paul. We kind of had a kind of a miserable Halloween night here. It, it was cold snowing. and snowy. Yeah. But that's better yes. than rain. Yeah, that's true.
0: Out of the last ten years, I think it was Kim telling us on the Channel Four weather that out of ten years, eight of them were wet, whether snow or rain.
3: Yeah, not. We're not. not, It's not not unusual. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I think that has something to do with it. You know, I think in you know in Florida, heck, you could you know, (laughs) you could just go for miles, right? The weather's so good. Right,
0: right. Very, very fortunate with that. That's for sure. Uh, Meanwhile, let's see. I don't know, we're going to talk about traveling a little later with Charlie Krull from Cruise and Tour, but I find this to be fascinating. Um, Passenger airplanes traveling eastbound across the Atlantic Ocean are knocking more than an hour off their flight times as they hit speeds over 761 miles per hour. That's the speed of sound. These are regular jets. This isn't the old Concorde. These are regular jets hitting the speed or over the speed of sound thanks to the jet stream.
3: I was just going to ask you if it was the jet stream doing that. That's pretty it, amazing.
0: It is. Some flights have reached cruising speeds around 200 miles per hour faster than normal. I hope they build the planes to handle that. I'm sure they must, obviously. Oh, yeah. yeah. But that's just astonishing.
3: Yeah, and, and this, it isn't, should, isn't it great? To just have that shaved off your travel time, I love that. Oh, my
0: gosh. It's always great when they announce, you know, when you think it's a nine-hour flight, and they say we'll be in the air for seven and a half hours, and you go, what? That's fabulous. But you know what else I'm thinking, and I'm not complaining. I'm saying good because any time a business can save money, but that would save some money on fuel.
3: Save money on fuel, right? So then, you know, they could put it into the peanuts that they're handing out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was waiting for that. I was waiting also for you to say, oh, so then we get a rebate or we get money back because they say that's not going to happen in any business. Unfortunately, in any business, it never happens that way. All right, Riri, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. WJR Senior News Analyst Marie Osborne. And that's quite the story still on us. Knocking EV heavyweight uh, Tesla out of the number one spot of EVs internationally. That's a big deal. Good for them. They should all be proud. As we continue here on WJR. So excited about uh, Paul W. and Kim's dream vacation, Canada and New England. And we get to speak to an expert on New England because he lives there. He also happens to be Charlie Crowe. The Vice President of Group Products, Cruise and Tour, his main responsibility include group travel planning. He has done such a great job on all of our trips. Uh, I can't tell you how much better it feels to have a travel expert in charge of all the things we used to have to worry about, but don't have to now. And this trip is spectacular that we've got coming uh, this next August. And, and Charlie, since you live in New England, for goodness' sakes, walk us through this incredible itinerary. Uh, good afternoon, and always a pleasure catching up with you, Charlie.
4: Yeah, of course, always a ple- pleasure. Really appreciate you having me on. And and you're right, this is um, this is an area of the world that um, I think kind of we overlook a little bit uh, when it comes to spectacular Uh, in diverse, um, you know, itinerary. And this is really what this is. Uh, And, you know, Paul and I, we were talking about uh, this a little earlier. Uh, You have to just fly an hour and a half, two hours from Detroit to get there. So you can cut the, cut the jet lag, uh, really land. And when you land in Montreal, you're going to feel like you've kind of landed in old world Europe. Uh, It's a, it's, it's an incredible uh, corner of the world. Here, uh, we'll spend two nights uh, at the Fairmont Queen Elizabeth, right in Montreal. Uh, we'll kick it off with, um, you know, dinner and drinks, of course. And, um, you know, from Montreal, uh, you've got a twelve-night itinerary um, that I, I could talk to you for an hour about here. Oh, but hey, really... <laughs> I could
5: listen.
0: I could go on for hours on Seabourn because that is where Kim and I honeymooned on a Seabourn ship and fell in love uh we it is one of the well it is the best cruise line and we've been on a lot of good ones but it's the best cruise line kim and i have ever been on and they just 12 nights of all-inclusive luxury cruising is just incredible we've talked about uh and like riverboat cruising a lot but we're ready to get back on a bigger ship not a big ship this is like 229 rooms something like that but the 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 difference is the rooms are bigger they're all suites. Uh, there are several gourmet restaurants that you can go to without a reservation. Uh, it, it, there's, it's just many more activities. There's, there's a casino, I'm sure. There's, there are all kinds of great things about this ship without it being a mega ship. You know, Charlie, uh, 229 rooms, whatever number of people that might be. Put that up against uh, some of these ships now have 8,000 passengers, which is like going to vacation in uh, downtown Manhattan, and that's not exactly what I'm looking for.
4: It's uh, it's quite a bit different. I mean, yeah, you think about that. I, the number one thing people really don't think about when we, when we talk about a luxury cruise is just they build these ships. It's still a 35,000-ton ship, but just for 450 guests. And so just to put that in perspective, that's literally – twice the space per person that you would normally have on one of those kind of mega ships. So you get to stretch out um, you know, there's, there's almost 450 crew on board. So think about that. That's a one to one service ratio on board. And so you can be expected to kind of be greeted by name throughout the ship. Let a, your favorite cocktail just magically appears without you even asking. Uh, it's the type of service, the type of experience that I know that you and Kim love and we've come to, come to love and, and WJR travel club, uh, members have, have experienced a little bit, but I like to say there's cruising and then there is seaborne cruising. And I, I have to difference. agree.
0: I have to agree. We've been on some great ships, but Seaborne is right at the top. And the Seaborne Quest is, I think, a pretty new ship that uh, has all the latest uh, that you would expect. The service on Seaborne is impeccable. The gourmet meals, uh, farm-to-table style, the attention to detail second to none, no lines to wait for food or getting on the ship, getting off the ship, uh, the, everything's, as far as I recall, everything's included also.
4: Yeah, this is, um, you know, again, this is the, some of the differences when it comes to the, you know, the big ship cruising versus versus like, the things that you would spend thousands of dollars on once you're aboard, you know, drinks, coffee, soda, uh, tipping, you know, uh, folks along the way. Uh, Wi-Fi, all of that stuff typically adds up. That's all included. And I, when I go on vacation, I like to turn my brain off and not look at a uh, a menu and wonder how much I'm going to be spending for this dinner or how much I spent on this drink. Uh, You just, you get to get on there, you get to turn your brain off and truly, truly enjoy and not worry about a thing. And you know that 12 days is going to go by in a absolute. Um, you know, heartbeat, you know, once you've started to, you know, experience this here. And I know for you, Paul, one of the things you like the most about cruising is some of those days that you're just on the ship and you get to experience those days and see, so you you, know, you don't feel like you have anywhere to go. And I, I, wanted to highlight one of the things you're going to be doing uh, on that day at sea is going to be cruising through a Fjord national park. Uh, so, you know, you can sip some champagne on your balcony, have brunch delivered to you, get out of bed if you want, don't get out of bed if you want. Um, <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna be, uh, one of those experiences where you have those days at sea, you have some of the world's most iconic ports, like sailing into Boston and Newport and Halifax, uh, and, you know, and, and ending in, uh, New York City. It's, it's, uh, really, really, when you call it, when you think of dream vacations, this is, this is absolutely one of them here.
0: This is a great uh, dream vacation, and uh, we depart for Detroit from Montreal, short flight. Uh, we stay at that incredible hotel that I uh, you talked about, you mentioned uh, earlier, that was just picked by the New York Times as the place to stay in Montreal. And then Quebec City, and then the Day at Sea, and then uh, a bunch of uh, places. Charlottetown, I think you mentioned, Prince Edward Island. Um, let's see, there was something I was looking for. You're going to overnight Right? Yeah,
4: so I mean, you're not just going to stay there for a day, but you truly have an overnight. So if you want to go out with the locals in the evening, you're not going to be rushed back onto the ship. You know, that's one of those those great things about being in a smaller ship is they typically get to stay in port for longer periods of time. So again, you're not rushed on the ship, rushed off the uh, ship. It really yep. is truly like being on your own private, uh, you know, floating country a, club. And, and yeah, the floating country
0: club is a good way to put it. And and uh, what I was looking for is I. Um we know that we're going to be able to spend some time in Newport, Rhode Island, uh, which is f- fabulous. But I'm looking forward to Boston, where Kim used to work. I haven't been to Boston since since Kim and I have been together, and we'll walk the Freedom Trail and all that. And, you know, the big mistake people make is they think luxury travel costs a lot. And while, yeah, it, it does have a higher initial price tag, the value of the vacation almost always exceeds a lower-cost cruise. and And that's just... Because everything's included, and it's just top-notch. Everything about it, from the guest suites to the food to the offerings to to the ship itself. Just better all the way around. Go to Cruise and Tour. uh, Call them at 800-383-3131. 800-383-3131. Visit WJRTravelClub.com. We're about half full. I don't want you to miss out. Charlie, thanks so much. Always good talking with you. Really looking forward to this. Uh, me as well. Thank you so much. Say hi to Kim for me. I will do that. Charlie Crawl cruising tour. And we enjoyed opening the show with uh, Bill Emerson, matter of fact, as we reestablish this great relationship we have with the Detroit Economic Club, the only radio station invited to be here to bring you all of this activity. Start the show with Bill Emerson, president and COO, Rocket Companies. We're at the beautiful Weston Book Cadillac, and uh, Lloyd Jackson is back doing the news headlines. Lloyd, from our morning show with the whole team there, doing a nice job. But he will now be doing what uh, our old Tom Campbell. You remember that name from WJR News? Great guy, and just met his son. Great guy, too. Um, He used to do the newscasts here, and I would sit in the audience at the Economic Club with great pride, knowing that WJR was picked to do that. And once again, we're picked to do that. And Lloyd Jackson uh, handling those duties for the first time today. So we're here still, and we've got a lot of good people to talk to that are not necessarily here for the Economic Club. I want to say a couple of quick things. Thank you to the folks at Fago and uh, Lena Minnie and David Stoika from Mark's Lane. I, maybe they heard me say I gave a little shout-out to the new Faygo taste, Dreamin', orange cream flavor. And uh, and sure enough, they send a couple of bottles over. So uh, Rieger, uh, is yeah. there any is there any left? Is what I'm asking. They're both there for you. Oh, well, you take one. Okay. I, I don't need two. I we, do want to taste it though because I I love cream soda and the orange cream. You got a nice candle. A shirt. Well, that's yeah, great. You got uh, you got some good stuff in there. So you know. Uh, in the old days on radio, you would talk about Fago, and they'd send you some Fago, and I'm glad to see that's it. I'd like to mention something about the new Corvette. I think it's fat. Oh, you don't think they're going to send me a Corvette, do you? Yeah, it's not going to happen. I'm not even going to try for the joke at this point. Anyway, thank you to the folks at uh, Fagel, and uh, they're saying, hey, creamy new orange flavor may say move over pumpkin spice. <laughs> I haven't ate anything pumpkin spice yet. No, Have not, you? A, not a not a pumpkin spice pumpkin spice latte. No, no. Have you? No. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm not alone then. All right. So uh, anyway, they've got this new Never Stop Dreaming Fago Dreaming caffeine free, available in 20 and 24 ounce bottles, and uh, I think people are going to love this. I can't wait to uh, taste it. Fago, been doing such a great job. Began as. Uh, Feinzen Brothers Bottling Works in Detroit, November 4th, 1907. In the 20s, the company shortened its name from Feinzen Brothers Bottling, which probably was a wise decision. To Fago, the original name was too long to print on the bottles. The company expanded its business to a large facility on Gratiot in Detroit, 1937, which, by the way, serves as its bottling plant and headquarters to this day. Of course, people remember as their favorites Red. Red Pop and Rock and Rye and all of that. They've been a part of the uh, National Beverage family, the family since 1987. So uh, you can find Fago, fago.com or on Facebook or whatever. Fago Dreamin' Orange Cream. Thanks for uh, sending it over. And uh, we have a new delivery, a new arrival. Our friends, good friends, Kim and Bob Schmidt, welcomed their first granddaughter on Halloween Day. Little Cecilia Ann Reichenbach, and they call her Cece. We have a Cece in our family, too. So Cece weighed five pounds, two ounces, and was 19 and a half inches long when she was born. Baby Cece, Cecilia Ann Reichenbach, Cece, Mom Annie, and Dad Matthew, all doing great. Congratulations also to Cheryl and Tom Reichenbach, Matthew's mom and dad, of course on their little baby granddaughter, Cecilia Ann Reichenbach, and again to our good friends Kim and Bob Schmidt, who haven't come down from the ceiling. They're so happy, and we're so happy for them, on this very special day, November 2nd, 2023. All righty, um, we've got a lot going on here. I did see the new uh, Speaker of the House. Mike Johnson. He's the Republican from Louisiana. Seems to me, and I need your input on this, seems to me to be a pretty sharp guy. Yes? Seems to be, yeah. Seems to be uh seems to be a good choice. He seems to be a good choice. You wonder why he wasn't the first choice. We uh, never most of us never heard of him. He didn't have the bravado we had to go through all those people that were probably more well known first. There were a lot of more well known people but yeah. maybe maybe not necessarily better people for the job. True. So, true. It it works out that he got the job and it looks so far so good to me. But, well, there, but the fact that he decided to not quit and then go through with it is the first good step for the GOP <laughs> yeah, after what they've true. been through. <laughs> that's true. So they unveiled a plan, he did, to provide $14 billion to Israel while cutting an equal amount in planned spending on internal revenue service enforcement that raises tax revenue. So they they got right to the point, didn't they, on that one? I mean, yeah. what do we need more of? So there's some kind of a big package out there. And there's gonna, they're going to come to fights and loggerheads and all of that. But amazingly to me, but I guess it's a sign of the times, This guy has already been criticized, I mean roundly criticized, by the pundits, the overnight hosts, and others, because he had the audacity to announce he's a Christian. He's a Christian, so that's reason enough to attack him. Somebody likened him to the killer in Maine. That might be a little over the line. Marr? What's his name? Tom Marr? What is it? The, 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 the killer that was in Maine? No, no. The, the, the pundit who has his own show has been around forever. I forgot his name because I, I don't really know. Oh, Bill Marr. Bill Mar. I don't pay attention okay. to him very much. Yeah, HBO, yeah. Yeah. Well, he he likened him to the main killer. <laughs> I mean, tell me how that's possible. How do you make that reach? He said the main killer was hearing voices, and he now likens this house republican speaker of the house for saying he's christian and he prays that he's hearing voices i'm sorry folks if we let this kind of thing continue we're going beyond hell in a handbasket get a grip folks get a grip uh, how do you even make that connection there is no Doesn't connection make any sense. there's no connection and those are the same people that say everybody should have every right to say whatever they want to say. People who want to support Hamas as foolish and stupid as that is. they have a right to say it in America um, but we also have a right to say that they're stupid for saying it. but how they can attack this guy just based just based on the fact that he that he announces that he's a Christian. I I think, I I, I didn't have the sound down, but they showed the, uh, there's a little chapel there in in his building. I think he said he would stop there every morning before doing his job. That's a problem for people? There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong with that? Nothing. If you're a Jew, a Christian, Islam is your faith, whatever it might be. This is America. But you'd be hard-pressed to understand that these days with some of the protests that are out there at areas that are supposed to be areas of higher learning. In fact, I've been carrying around a story, just haven't had a chance to get to it yet, that's talking about the obvious failure of our higher education. In fact, the headline was, Pro-Hamas Protests... Expose the massive failure at the heart of American higher education. We'll talk about that another time. But we have to all wake up and smell the coffee here. What's happening to America? The America we love, still, that so many people in so many positions that would shock you apparently don't love. And some of them are Congress people right in our area. Hmm. wonder who that could be. One fourteen. as we continue on WJR. As we continue in focus, nice to be with you, that's for sure. Uh, Israeli forces bombing that densely populated refugee camp in uh, Gaza for the second time in two days. That was yesterday. I, I don't know yet what's happening today. But that bombing prompted UN, the useless nation, uh, warnings that the airstrikes, quote, could amount to war crimes. And I, I'm asking, I honestly don't know, Did did anyone from the U.N. ever say that what Hamas did, uh, killing 260 kids at a concert unarmed or opening doors to houses, seeing little kids, shooting them point blank, cutting their heads off, setting them on fire after raping their moms and grandmothers and then killing them. Did anyone say anything from the U.N. about those amounting to war crimes? I don't remember hearing it. And the Israeli airstrikes, which we knew were coming, and Hamas definitely knew they would be coming if they did what they did, and they knew they could turn the world against Israel again. Uh, it just continues. But as we said at the time, and we'll say forever, Israel will always do what Israel thinks is best for the survival of Israel, which is what you would like to think America would do if we were facing our survival or lack thereof. Anyway... Ryan Schmelz is Fox News correspondent and WJR contributor, and he's talking about this story, following it closely, as Israeli forces continue to close in on Gaza Gaza City, uh, and more foreign nationals, Americans and others, are expected to flee and have been fleeing. Let's get the very latest. Ryan, it's always a pleasure welcoming you to Focus with Paul W. Smith.
6: It's always great to be on, Paul. How are you?
0: I am doing well. Um, all the information we get is a day late. I mean, it's just, you know, reported as news a day late. Get, bring us up to the very latest, if you could.
6: All right. So you have Congress that's uh, going to be voting today on a short-term or, or on, a, on a Israel aid bill of $14 billion. This is part of President Biden's uh, emergency spending plan, which was supposed to be $106 billion, and it was going to cover Ukraine aid, Israel aid, Gaza aid. Uh, as well as, you know, uh, border security. But, you know, Republicans have decided to just go with one of these bills, or one of these aspects, and they're doing it in a way that is not making Democrats happy because they want to pay for it by slashing funding from the IRS.
0: Well, you know, we kind of talked about this earlier, that that this new House Speaker and the Republicans, uh, breaking with President Biden's request to combine emergency funding for Israel, Ukraine, and even Taiwan... Uh, and kind of a $106 billion package, and I I don't see why or maybe how you could call those all the same. They're not. And so looking at them independently and deciding how much money to send where seems to make a lot more sense than just saying, okay, we want $106 billion to cover all of these wars we're getting involved with. I, I don't like that.
6: Yeah, and the one thing is that you have a lot of Republicans making that argument, but then you have some in the Senate, like Senator Lindsey Graham, who's kind of given a hand uh, to President Biden in many ways, because after you had the hearing where Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin tried to pitch this bill to uh, the Appropriations Committee in the Senate, you had Graham coming out and saying that now he feels these things are tied together. And one of the examples he used was, uh, a Hamas leader meeting with, with members of the Russian government. So you're seeing, you know, Republicans in the Senate, at least, at least enough of them to pass the bill, uh, showing support for this thing. But, you know, just based off what we've seen, you're not going to find those numbers in the House right now. it to it could possibly pass bill, but, you know, Johnson
0: has expressed his desire to keep these separate. Well, I, it just, I don't know, it seems... To... I, I hate to use the term business sense, but it just seems to make good business sense to know precisely what amount of money is going where. And, uh, I mean, that you know, you, you don't have a checkbook at home and you just write in there the money and don't write what it's going for um, mm-hmm. or saying this is just household expenses when you're paying for your car payment or your mortgage. But the IRS leadership, on the other hand, has bemoaned underfunding for years. They've they've said they don't have enough money. Yet the money that we are supposedly hearing would be cut was not the money to take care of the revenue agents that were already employed and overworked. It was for a rather large increase in those revenue agents, which then leads the IRS to say that uh, that's going to cost them money that they would get from people who haven't been paying their taxes i guess
6: yeah and the irs got a hand from the congressional budget office which is claiming that if this money was cut from the irs it would actually decrease government revenue because they wouldn't be able to enforce uh tax payments so they got a little bit of a hand there from that but then you also have speaker johnson kind of coming out and saying that hey you know only in washington can you know, you cut spending and then someone tells you you're actually contributing to the deficit by doing that. Uh, speaker Johnson was actually asked about this earlier today during his first press conference, really since he's become speaker. And he was saying, you know, I didn't put this in there for political purposes. You know, I was trying to adhere to fiscal responsibility and the IRS was the department that had this money sitting around uh, because it hasn't really been touched yet because it's a part of the Inflation Reduction Act which was passed by President Biden and the Democrat-controlled Congress. But At the same time, you know, there are going to be the arguments that this is something that's political and this is just a non-starter for Democrats. And it still is. So even if he's able to pass his Israel aid package, it's going to die in the Senate. And President Biden's already said he'd veto it.
0: Well, I I think I saw I I guess that's what I was seeing. I didn't realize it at the time. His first uh, press conference. I saw that earlier uh, this morning. And uh, I, that's where I, I formed the opinion that he at least seems like a pretty straight-shooting, uh, low-key kind of a guy, not a, in any way a showboater or out to, quote-unquote, make a name for himself or already look to the to the stepping stone of another position he could run for because he's in the House now, in the House Speaker, Speaker of the House, two ticks or three uh, away from being President of the United States. I, I liked him, and I, I liked the way he spoke, but that's... That's because he's more conservative and I'm more conservative. So, um, but the president also wanted $13.6 billion to hire 6,000 more employees at Homeland Security. Uh, And I'm wondering, really 6,000 more employees? What hand has Homeland Security had, for example, in our Homeland Security in blocking illegal immigrants from coming to these United States? I don't, I don't. I don't. I can't think of any.
6: Yeah, and that's a debate being had right now because you have the president requesting border security funding as part of that one hundred and six billion dollar emergency package, but then you're having Republicans come out and say, "Well, this isn't going to stop anything from happening." You know, the money's supposed to go to hiring more border agents, hiring more legal workers along the southern border, uh, and also hiring more staff. And, and essentially, they're saying this is supposed to help with the you know overcrowding and the processing that's going on there. But Republicans have said this isn't a money issue. This is instead a policy issue. The only problem is a lot of the policies Republicans are pitching that we've heard uh, are mostly Trump-era policies that the Biden administration is just simply not going to bring back.
0: Yeah, I I, I have to, uh, I think, agree with that uh, that viewpoint at this time. And, uh, well, we'll just see uh, what, what happens here and what's going on. I mean, hire 6,000 more people for Homeland Security to act – to, to ask them to act as hosts welcoming <laughs> illegal immigrants and processing them uh, just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But it's just me. Ryan Schmeltz, always a pleasure. Good job. Hey, appreciate it, Paul. Thank you, as always. We'll talk again soon. Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor. The one and only Terry Rannigan is coming up next. We're looking forward to that conversation as we continue in focus on WJR at 129. And a good friend of ours uh, just coming out of the meeting and uh, watching the presentation from Sarah Armbruster, president and CEO of Steelcase, and Bill Emerson, president and COO Rocket Companies, who started the show with us today here at this uh, great uh, Western Book Cadillac for the Detroit Economic Club Lunch, and the guy who we are now going to deputize as a cub reporter <laughs> is our old friend Terry Radigan, Vice President, Corporate Giving, General Motors, Chair of the Detroit Sports Organizing Corporation as well. Always good to see you, Terry.
7: Great to see you, Paul W., thank you.
0: I want to ask you, since we're on the outside so we wouldn't interrupt what was going on on the inside, you were there, you just watched the presentation from Sarah Armbruster and Bill Emerson. Can you give us a little mini-report?
7: I'd be happy to, and I will tell you that Steve Gregorian did a fag a fantastic job moderating the discussion and asking really thought-provoking questions. We're so lucky to have Steve running this Detroit Economic Club, and I love the new partnership that you, the expanded partnership that you, WGR, is, is uh, forging with DEC. Great, yeah. great we, work.
0: We love it, too. In fact, uh, Steve is coming up next Oh, good. You, so we'll, we'll fantastic. you. So we'll tell
7: him you said that. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you what. It was a very thought-provoking discussion, obviously, um, with Bill. Uh, he talked a lot about the culture. And the things that, that uh, were missing during the pandemic, when you work from home and you're constantly on, on Teams calls or Zoom calls, you can certainly be more effective and efficient, but you miss out on the human interaction, you miss out on business that happens by accident, you miss out on the mentoring and it's it's a journey. this really is a journey to get folks back into the office and I'm proud to, to say that General Motors, under Mary Barr's leadership, you know we put a stake in the ground back on January 30th of this year to get everyone back into the office three days a week and' we're, we're working through some tweaks to that but um, you know that was been something that we were a leadership uh, position on.
0: I, I love that expression that he talked about if business, that you get by accident. Exactly. I've never really thought exactly. too much about that. Well,
7: in the Renaissance Center, we, we have that with uh, the elevator rides. You happen to get on an elevator, there's someone you've been meaning to talk to anyway, and you've got 45 seconds or so to get some business done. The
0: elevator pitch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the famous elevator pitch. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's great. You know, Terry, things have changed so dramatically since you started with General Motors in 1988. You've held various uh, field positions and customer and dealer support before moving to the Chevrolet marketing center and the former GM foundation and doing all of the things you do you've been very active in our community and uh, and and carrying the torch for general motors in in terms of vice president corporate giving and they've given so much to so many you've been a part of that
7: it's been an honor uh, probably the highest honor that i've had in my career to spend the last several years as um, as a conduit between our company and our community, and we are so fortunate here in in metropolitan Detroit to have some of the very very best and most effective nonprofit organizations. And it's it's not a ch- it's not a charitable donation to us. It's an investment. It's an investment in our city,
0: and the citizens of this great city. Well, I will never forget, and I hope the kids will never forget the thousands and thousands of kids you've helped from. Uh, being a big part of the Paul W. Smith Golf classic to benefit children 's charities, something like fifty five thousand kids a summer or a year that have been uh, that have been helped by your money and that 's just one little sliver of all the things that you guys do on a regular basis i don 't know where we would be without the auto companies clearly i mean it 's worried me and I've had to think about it a lot lately <laughs> i don 't know where we would be without you guys picking up the tab on so many of the important things that happen in our city and in the surrounding area.
7: And it's great that, you know, we'll, we'll compete with uh, the other two um, in the showroom. We'll compete for talent. We'll compete for technology. We'll comp- compete on the racetrack. But when it comes to our hometown – we set aside the, the the competitive nature, and we just band together and do the right thing for these great people in the in our
0: community. Well, you always have for with my uh, golf outing, and I appreciate of that. Course. And Toyota even joined in exactly as a, as a hometown company. You've been on the board of directors. Uh, Automotive Hall of Fame United Way for Southeastern Michigan the Detroit Sports Organizing Commission Detroit Regional Partnership Loyola High School in Detroit how do you get time to do your <laughs> regular job you know it's uh it's a balancing
7: act but um it's it's important and I appreciate that the company has allowed me to I, I was just going to gonna say they must time.
0: They must give you a little grace on that to be able to do all that you do.
7: They do, and uh, it's an honor to represent our great company in our
0: great city. Well, you do it very well. Thank you so much. And this whole thing about the chairman of the Detroit Sports Commission, I, I was surprised. I didn't know you even had an interest in that area. And you're coming up on one of the biggest things that could ever happen this, this next year. Yeah, le- uh,
7: less than six months away from the NFL draft. And it's going to be right there in the heart of downtown Campus Martius, the Monroe block. It's just going to be unbelievable. And, you know, it's unlike anything that we've seen at the NFL draft recently. Kansas City was more of an open environment with the, with the city and the skyline in the backdrop. Ours is going to be in the city, and it's going to reverberate off the buildings, and people are going to be able to watch from from above, and it's just going to be such a vibe. I can't
0: wait. It's astonishing the size of this thing, oh, yeah. the magnitude. Right. And I'm trying to think of the guy, uh, the the head of the NFL. What's uh, what's the guy's? Roger Goodell, who I I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting right. at at Ford Field. Roger Goodell. When I heard he made sixty million dollars a year, <laughs> I went. What's, what does he do to make him worth 60 million? Well, this is one of the things he does. right? Because the numbers I hear that we can expect in Detroit, and the business that that will create for Detroit, the money that that will generate, is mind-blowing. And think about the
7: passionate fans that are all within a drive. Cleveland Brown fans. We're going to have Steelers fans and and Chicago Bears and the Colts and the Bengals. And we'll have people come from Canada that just want to be a part of an NFL draft. Um, It's just going to be incredible. We cannot wait.
0: We cannot wait to be a big part of it. So I hope you'll leave a little space for us. Count on it. We would love to be there and be with you because anything Terry Radigan does, Vice President, Corporate Giving, General Motors, and chair of the Detroit Sports Organizing Corporation, getting ready for the NFL draft in six months. It's all going to be great, and it continues to be great because of the great work Terry does. Thank, Thank you, Terry. You, Paul W. God bless you. God
7: bless you, too. Thank you so much.
0: We continue here in focus on WJR at the Detroit Economic Lunch at the Weston Book Cadillac. The man who just got great compliments and put it all together, Steve Gregorian, will be our final guest right around the corner here On WJR. Well, and the guy who put it all together is sitting here finally probably breathing for the first time in several days because there's a lot that goes into these meetings for this fabulous Detroit Economic Club, the luncheon today at the Weston Book Cadillac featuring the folks you just talked about. Bill Emerson started the show. And the guy Terry Radigan from Chevrolet just said a moment ago, from General Motors overall, said has done such a great job. He had such compliments for Steve Gregorian, the president and CEO of the Detroit Economic Club. You can breathe now.
5: Always good to be with you, and thanks for the permission to breathe. I need that. Thank you.
0: You do. It's, this is not easy. The amount of work that goes into putting a, a, a program like this together. And the Detroit Economic Club has been together since, what, 1934? As a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization committed to the discussion and debate, of important business, government, and social issues. It's exactly
5: what you did today. Exactly right, and I talk about the 89-year history of speakers, and I specifically target people that have spoken on this date, and it really tells the history of the United States. We go all the way back to 1942. There was a speaker today talking about a World War II topic, and it goes on and on. By the way, I might say Terry is a gem. Thank you, for Tara, uh, Terry Radigan, for his kind words and... I don't do this by myself. I've got an amazing team, just an amazing team that right. pulls uh, a wedding a week off, if you will, for 48 of the 52 weeks each year. So they're an amazing team.
0: Well, what he specifically said was the great job you did moderating as well. So I'm, just try- I'm
5: trying to be like you, Paul. No.
0: <laughs> you did a great job with that. Uh, tell us if you would sum up what you know. You've, you've got CEOs of Fortune 100 companies, U.S. cabinet members, senior state and national government officials. Uh, we've had major announcements delivered at that uh, podium that you've handled well for over 80 years. The Detroit Economic Club has been a platform for the discussion and debate of all these important issues. Uh, talk a little bit, just in your own summary, since you were there moderating. What Bill Emerson, president and CEO of Rocket Companies and uh, and Sarah Armbruster, President and CEO of Steelcase.
5: Sure. The topic was navigating a return to the office, and certainly Sarah Armbruster from Steelcase can talk about how their world has changed and how they're helping companies to design spaces to attract remote workers to come back to the office. Bill's got a vested interest because of the tremendous investment in buildings and Just the entire city of Detroit, they want people here because I know you and I have talked about this before. We need a vibrant pedestrian community here Monday through Friday to support services, restaurants, stores, shops, and all the businesses that are downtown. So we talked quite a bit about that. We talked about uh, companies are getting very aggressive with their policies and getting... People back to the office. Example, Goldman Sachs wants employees in five days a week. Jamie Dimon, J.P. Morgan said five days a week. In fact, Google is factoring your in-office attendance into their performance reviews wow. of each employee. So That makes ag- it pretty, it pretty serious. Yes, it's getting very aggressive. Um, we talked about uh, culture. We talked about productivity. I thought Sarah made a really interesting point. Um, You know, you can stay at home and whip through uh, 200 emails a day, but is that really productivity that helps the company out?
0: You know, I'm I'm not going to argue with anybody about this, and certainly not Sarah Armbruster, who lives this with Steelcase, and certainly not with you. But I will say it seemed to me, when I was always working at home back during COVID, I did way more work. Than I would have had I been at the station for three hours, four hours, and then left.
5: I think it's just different work. So you may have done may work. I was guilty of jumping on the computer at midnight till two a.m. for a lot of days in a row. And then I said, "What am I doing? I just need to get that done during the daytime." Um, But yeah, but I, I was really taken by Sarah's comment. You've got to be together to do innovation and collaboration. Um, you can sit at home and do all the emails you want, but you want to move the company forward, you've got to be together.
0: You know, and there's nothing like face-to-face interaction. I, In fact, I've got a, a concept that I want to shoot by Delta Airlines, that, you know, to be lifted up and to do good business, we started thinking that you could do it looking at a little computer and looking back at you on a computer. There's nothing like flying to where you have to go in certain businesses and sitting down and talking face-to-face with somebody you're trying to do a deal with. In the end, there's nothing like it. And that goes for everything that we do out in business. You've kept it all together. The Detroit Economic Club remains a vital Detroit institution, always making positive differences in our region and, for that matter, around the world. And it's all with you and your team. I'll give you that, Steve. Steve Gregorian, President and CEO of the Detroit Economic Club.
5: Thanks for having me. Looking forward to next time.
0: No, no. Thanks for having us and giving this honor to WJR, the great voice of the Great Lakes, and having our own Lloyd Jackson from The Morning Show do the news headlines today, which you called Business Briefs. I think that's a good name. Thank you, sir, very much. Pleasure is mine. Keep up the good work, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you. We love being here. Hey, uh, it's the Day of the Dead. I never quite understood why we celebrate that, but we do. Uh Matt and Lindsay Maroon, happy anniversary to my nephew Nick Davison. Happy birthday and a great birthday to you, it's your birthday as well. Go to thegreatvoice.com, dot com, get the podcast of the show. JR Afternoons, Chris Renwick next. Regards, Paul W. Smith.